0: if you've been told to pull up your socks then make sure it's a pair of tnt socks the tnt shop is now open at tntradio.live
1: the conversation continues with brian McLean and steve hook at state of the nation on today's news talk radio tnt all right second hour state of the nation launching right here at today's news talk tntradio.live is our website get on over there and join that interactive live chat room Hello to you in the interactive live chat room, and thanks for being here for the live show. We appreciate you, your comments, uh, your links, everything you drop in there. And of course, you're going to want to follow TNT on X, on IG, on Instagram, Gab Gitter, all of them. Uh, Instagram, of course, uh, I'm on that one probably more than I am on X these days. I seem to get a little bit more traction there. I don't know what that's all about, but uh, moving into X as well so you follow steve and i uh, and you can email us too we appreciate any emails that come through now steve i gotta jump right into this one um big news today big news for journalism uh, chilean american blogger gonzalo lira has died in a ukrainian prison lira 55 years old at the time of his death lived in kharkov and blogged as coach red pill Um, but switched to uh, YouTube commentary after the conflict with Russia escalated in February of 22. He was arrested by the Security Service of Ukraine, the SBU, last May, and accused of discrediting the Ukrainian leadership and the military. Um, His father made the comment, quote, I cannot accept the way my son has died. He was tortured, extorted, incommunicado for eight months and 11 days. And the U.S. embassy did nothing to help my son. The responsibility of this tragedy is the dictator Zelensky, with the concurrence of the senile American president Joe Biden. End quote. Uh, that's what Gonzalo Lira Senior wrote in a note published by Grayzone. Uh, Lira Lira also uh, reached out to ex-host Tucker Tucker Carlson, confirming the death of his son in Ukrainian custody. And uh, he has spoken to Carlson about this case uh, back in early December, you know. And, um, you know, Lyra resurfaced from custody in late July with a series of posts uh, on his ex account, revealing his torture in jail and attempts by the SBU to extort him for money. He said he was trying to flee to Hungary and seek asylum. And he said, quote, either I'll cross the border and make it to safety or I'll be disappeared by the Kiev regime. He wrote that in his last public message and two days later a source confirmed to rt news that Lyra had been caught and imprisoned by ukrainian authorities um so you know some some comments that i uh, flagged up with regards to this story steve here's one Lyra joins dozens of journalists and opposition politicians illegally murdered by newlands kiev regime another one He was the only one who had the guts to publish the list of all the missing and killed journalists by the nazi ruling over ukraine he released the list on twitter and other outlets and he knew when they came for him he would die in their dungeon uh this is really upsetting steve that an american journalist uh could be treated this way in a conflict that is sucking up so many hundreds of billions of our tax dollars and led to over 600,000 Ukrainians being dead.
0: Yeah, I it's I, and 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 what's what's more galling about this is the fact that neither the Biden administration nor little Zelensky the dictator have even commented on it. They won't even touch the story. They just ignore it. And you know, I it's no secret to anybody that's been watching us long enough or been listening to my show prior to State of the Nation, that initially when this whole thing kicked off, I absolutely assigned the white hat to Zelensky because it was the Russian troops that were building on the border. As this has gone on, I have done a complete 180 on that, uh, which is not to say that I put the white hat on Putin's head. I I don't think there are any white hats in this conflict. I think they're both bad apples. But Zelensky has proven himself to be just a tyrant just an absolute tyrant. If you speak out on anything about this war and say this need not happen, if you're inside the sta- inside the uh, country of Ukraine uh, in the parts that he controls, you're as good as gone. And I think that man's last, the, the, the reporter's very last text message goes to that, or his last post saying, I'll be disappeared. Well, he was disappeared. So it's just... Uh, and you can tell the father's angry. Good God, I would be spitting flames if it was me, if it was my kid. Uh, you know, the dictator and then the incompetent, whatever he called
1: Biden. I agree with all of it, though. It's just it's just disgusting. Yeah, this this is awful. Here's one more comment from a reader. Question is, what is Washington going to do about it? I hear crickets and old demented Joe sniffing some young girl's hair and there you have it dear U.S. citizens the U.S. government will let you die civilian or journalist but they do that with their own military which is why very few sign up for the U.S. military anymore U.S. government wasn't always like that but today they don't care very sad what happened to America yeah yeah very sad indeed and it's just I mean, and, and, you know, the thing,
0: Hesh, that drives me so nuts about all of this, beyond this story, is the projection that we see. Yesterday, Biden came out and said verbatim, he is a dictator. Not talking about Zelensky, not talking about Putin, talking about Trump. Uh, That's projection. Because if anybody's acting like a dictator and just a petty tin pot dictator, Tyrant, authoritarian. It's Joe Biden, or at least the people that control Joe Biden. Uh, This this never would have happened under Trump. Never, never would have happened under
1: Trump. No, utterly ridiculous. Okay, do you have a suggestion for a possible guest or host uh, you would like to hear on TNT, or perhaps you have a possible topic you feel we should cover? then we'd love to hear from you. Simply complete our suggestion form on the Today's News Talk website and help us make a difference on TNT.
2: Conversations to inform and include.
3: It's meant for everyday people to understand.
1: Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, is asking car makers and wireless service providers how they plan to protect people from being stalked or harassed by abusive partners who may have access to vehicle location and other data. Here with the story joining us once again is TNT news producer Adam Clark. Uh Ruckus, this is definitely a problem. I d- I've seen an uptick of uh you know uh spats and you know these sort of relationships where someone is using technology uh, be it, you know, low jacking or turning, uh, you know, certain things on on their partner's cell phone, perhaps, to see where they are at all times. Uh, but the FCC wants in on this, and that has me concerned. What do you got for us?
4: Bob, bro, uh, government is here to help you, bro. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, the FCC is calling on uh, the uh, specific automakers and certain wireless service providers who have these uh connected car tools or apps or whatever Uh, they're asking for help is another way that they've been putting this Uh, we need your help to protect these domestic abuse survivors from the misuse of all of this stuff by abusers Um, I I might uh, interject uh, there's no discussion here about how to protect us from other types of abusers such as our own government But anyways, uh, in a letter sent to nine large automakers and three voice service providers on January 11th, FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenwartel urged the companies to hand over details regarding how they protect and support people who have been harassed by domestic abusers, noting that modern vehicles are fitted with ever more sophisticated features such as hands-free communication tools, location tracking, and more. Um, This is all aimed at improving, uh, allegedly, the driving uh, experience and whatnot. Uh, However, uh, Ms. Rosenwortel stressed that such services are increasingly... In addition to making your life convenient, being used by domestic abusers to stalk, harass, and intimidate survivors of intimate, intimate partner violence, domestic abuse. Uh, she writes, quote, these features rely on wireless connectivity and location data that in the wrong hands can be used to harm partners in abusive relationships, end quote. The FCC head went on to cite a recent report by the New York Times in which domestic violence experts told the publication that Internet-connected apps in vehicles were being used by abusers to stalk and harass their victims and that car makers have failed to assist victims, particularly in cases where the victim is a co-owner of the vehicle or not named on the title. She said, quote, having access to a car is also a critical lifeline. It is a means of escape and independence, and it is often essential for those seeking employment and support. Uh, Ms. Rosen Orschel continued, quote, no survivor of domestic violence and abuse should have to choose between giving up their car and allowing themselves to be stalked and harmed by those who can access its data and connectivity. We must do everything we can to help survivors stay safe. We need to work with auto and wireless industry leaders to find solutions, end quote. Uh, she fired off letters to top executives at vehicle makers, Ford, General Motors, Honda, Hyundai, Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, Stellantis, and Elon Musk's Tesla, uh, as well as Toyota. The FCC chairwoman also sent letters to wireless voice service providers AT&T, T-Mobile, and verizon Uh, specifically she asked the companies to provide details about the connected car systems they currently offer or plan to pre-install in any future vehicles to be sold in the united states including those that allow for location tracking or remote access additionally she asked whether or not the companies have policies or processes in place to remove access to connected apps devices or other features from certain individuals including those listed on the title of the vehicle if requested to do so by the survivors of abuse and so forth but again what if the abusive relationship you are engaged in is with the government and they want to use this information to uh, keep tabs on you as a netizen anyways uh but what do you guys think (laughs) it's
0: i get the reality that uh abuse victims don't want to be tracked i i fully get that and and i and i sympathize but this seems like a backdoor way of the government getting in and having complete control of uh any gps uh you know tracking device on any individual person and to dump this on the car manufacturers hey look if i drive a 1974 gremlin and somebody throws in my trunk, an Apple, uh, one of those Apple eye tags, whatever they call those things. And that's what people are doing. I see people using those Apple tags, uh, in their luggage. So if their luggage gets lost, they can track it down to wherever it may be. And you can just as easily one sl- slip one under the front seat of a car. And it doesn't matter what that car's GPS system is doing. You can still access the location of that car. So, I don't really know what to make of it. I, I, it, it on one side, I, I sympathize with the victims. On the other side, I don't trust the government as far as I can throw it. So that's where I'm at.
1: What do you think, Heath? Yeah. This is like the FDA uh, requiring people that make spoons to make sure that they're, that people that use the spoons don't get fat. Uh, don't get many any ideas. Are, Yeah, well, hey, uh, you are responsible for your own safety. You are responsible for your own data safety. You are responsible for making sure that your location data is as locked down as possible in the 21st century. I know that's easier said than done, but for the government to go to automakers and say that, oh, we just want to protect these vulnerable people. So you have you're now responsible for it is absolutely ridiculous and it's it's contradictory if you want a car that doesn't have remote tracking remote access uh smart stuff in it you basically have to have a car that was made uh, before the year 1998. somewhere between 97 and 2000 is where you're gonna find uh, model cars that don't have these things inside of them so the only thing that Tesla, Hyundai, and all these other companies could do would be to put, um, you know, more roadblocks in the in their software. And uh, nobody wants that when they're grabbing a rental car and they have to spend 30 minutes configuring the car, you know, before they can get out of there and use their smartphone inside of the car. So, you know, there's there's the issue of who's responsible for this. Uh, is it the government and is it automakers or is it you? You know, um, so so that's the big one. And as far as uh, you mentioned Hyundai, Hyundai, I don't know how people like to say it, but uh, aren't they making, didn't they purchase Boston Dynamics? Isn't that company making Atlas robots and spot dogs and stuff like that? Can Can we ask them perhaps if those can be properly tracked and traced and if the citizenry can see what those items are up to? I know they're not really here yet, but they're coming. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's just a government's
0: way of getting their hands into more of the pie. I mean, that's what it seems like to me under the guise of protecting abuse victims. And again, I sympathize with the abuse victims. God knows. But uh, this is just it, it's it's it seems a, a, a bridge too far. Ruckus, anything else on this, brother?
4: Didn't they uh, do something similar where they approached the social media companies and asked them to keep everybody safe from misinformation? How did that work out? Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Touche. Great
0: way to wrap it up. Great way to wrap it up. You're absolutely spot on right. Thank you very much, uh, Ruckus. We appreciate that, brother. All right. You're All right. listening to uh, it. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this? Are you taking this out or am I? Hey, you got it, Steve. You're the man. Okay, (laughs) you're watching State of the Nation on today's News Talk. We'll be back with our next guest, Joe Hoff. Join us on State of the Nation, coming up next on TNT. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as we reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government, is doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all time low. Uh, We've also seen conscientious objectors. Uh, who are taking to social media, like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not.
1: Patrick Henningsen on
4: today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
3: I'm just going to do a little voice on my
4: I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in
3: media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the
4: mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally
2: be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself,
1: what the heck am I doing?
3: When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive
4: no, your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now?
0: D-trans: the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. Ladies and gentlemen,
4: today's
3: news talk. News and information.
1: TNT Radio.
0: All right, welcome back to State of the Nation. We're very happy to welcome our next guest to the show. You know him if you are a regular listener or viewer of TNT. He is the host of the Joe Hoff show. He's also a contributor to gateway pundit. Uh, and, uh, we welcome Joe to the show now. Hello, Joe Hoff, sir. How are you? Happy Friday to you. Uh, thanks, Steve. Happy to be here. Happy to be here, Brian, yeah. too.
2: Great. Great. to Good See I you guys.
0: See Good to see you. Now we have a situation here at our Southern border and we've talked about this a lot and God knows it's probably not going to slow down anytime soon, but, uh. It looks now as if the more you look at some of the folks crossing the border, um, they are all they're not they're, they're not all exactly the same, except in one respect. Most of them, the majority of them are military aged men from different countries. Coming in solo, at least they're not bringing their family with them. They may be coming in a large group of other military-aged men. In the case of Chinese nationals, we're seeing these guys pour over. Uh, they, they tend to be wearing similar clothing, khaki pants, sneakers, uh, and they're all carrying the same backpacks. And they're coming over en masse, and they're just pouring across our southern border. Uh, I know that you're fearful of this, as we all are. What do you What do you think is going on down here, man?
2: I'm telling you, I'm sure you guys have talked about this for, for months now, just like myself. I mean, this is just frightening what's going on. And and I remember first, you know, focusing on this a year ago, maybe two. Where yeah. We're saying we, people started reporting and you'd saw it on Twitter. If you follow Twitter or whatever, true social, whatever, you'd see these people come and people say, is there something unique about this group? And you'd look and you'd say, "There's no ki- there's no kids there. There's no women there. And, and so what's going on? And by the way, the kid thing is a whole nother issue, by the way, yeah. where these kids, they they transport them at night in the middle of the night. And we've got kids that somehow made it from someplace to the border and they're five years old. You're telling me, how does a child at five by himself make it to the U.S. border? It's not happening. So that's a whole different issue where the Biden administration has become the largest child trafficking entity in world history. And that's disgusting. And we've we, we've uncovered even these facilities in Texas and elsewhere, where they've got, you know, 1000s of children, and they're kept secret, and you don't know what's going on inside and they we already know that for sure they've lost eighty six thousand children just under the biden administration that have come across we have no idea where they went god knows what the real number is so so we've got that whole issue but then we've got this issue with all these military age men not women men and uh, i had michael uh on my show this morning and he's the Uh, He's an expert. He's been around the world. He's been in 100 countries. I met him, actually, originally in Hong Kong when I was over there. Uh, Steve Bannon had reached out to me and said, hey, Joe, can you catch up with this guy, Michael? He's going to be in Hong Kong. And that was back in 2019. And he started uh, reporting that he showed up as the uh, protests began. So he goes to all these hot spots and he was on our show and he's he's saying that. He said China has got 100, 200,000 now people that have come into the U.S., men and and maybe some women that are military he believe you know he goes a military guy can see another military guy and know that they're military guys and and across uh you know across countries and so he's saying we've got chinese military and then we've got all these other people and i'm also reminded of a article i put up where it was just a tweet somebody showed these this bus pull up in sykeston missouri it's on like interst- on the interstate pulls over in a parking lot and all these guys get out and they they follow a single line all dudes you know all middle-aged guys follow one guy and it looked to me like you know an army Uh, and and so the questions we all have is where are they going who you know who's where are they being held up you know they won't let us i had one guy tell me this week uh who's been on my show before um say that well we believe that these big buildings in New York that they're storing people there these military and then and he goes I think they're teaching them how to kill Americans is what they're doing and that's why they won't let us in there and who knows i mean here's here's my, maybe my final thought I'll just take a breather then if we were to ask people back in 19 you know 39 um hey um what do you think about this hitler guy and whatever we never would have said the guy is going to put use in railroad cars and ship them to these, you know, facilities where they're going to be mass murdered. I mean, that nobody would have said that. And yet that's exactly what happened a few years later, as we found after, uh, towards the end of World War II. The thought is what is going on with these guys coming in this country? Is it really that far fetched based on human history that these guys aren't a Trojan horse, that Biden hasn't allowed them in, that China's not running Biden, and that this is all to destroy America and these guys are gonna turn around and start firing on Americans any day now? I mean, is I'm I'm you know, what do you guys think?
1: Yeah, you know, well, first off, the, um, the number that we're using to, for the uh, amount of children that have been lost, misplaced, um, unsure of current location, that number was given to us in February of last year. So just imagine what it is now. And to anyone who may think these numbers sound ridiculous, what you said there about, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, no, it's not ridiculous. We're seeing a quarter of a million people a month a quarter million a month so that means every two months (laughs) there's half a million people every four months a million people and we know it's you know like you we've spoke to a lot of experts and you know we know it's people from 180 countries that are showing up here completely unvetted and when they have children with them they don't do any dna testing nothing like that we've even had experts come in and say well it seems like the The kids are sleeping when they're getting processed, but some people are saying it seems like they've been doped up, like they've been drugged, so there's no way to even say it, you know, whether they're with an actual parent or guardian. Now, Joe, let me take your comments on that after a brief headline here with TNT. TNT
3: Radio News.
2: I have some exciting news.
3: For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The United States and the United Kingdom conducted a massive retaliatory strike against Houthi targets in Yemen following a series of attacks on commercial shipping in the Red Sea. These attacks by the Iran backed Shiite Houthi militias have targeted various merchant ships since November in alignment with Hamas's conflict with Israel. Several Democrats on Capitol Hill scolded President Biden Thursday for launching airstrikes against Houthi targets in Yemen without congressional approval, arguing that the action was unconstitutional.
4: On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around
1: the clock. I listen. Therefore, I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Be sure and check out the Joe Hoff Show right here at today's News Talk. Joe, what do you think about that, man? I mean, that number is shocking enough, but knowing it's almost a year old, my goodness, I can only imagine what that number is now. Frightening.
2: Well, it's sick, and I saw that interview with uh, Josh Holly, the senator, with this lady who works in the Biden administration. He's asking her, "There's eighty-six thousand kids. We don't know where they're at. What do you think of that?" And this lady was just totally incompetent got kind of got called out and you're like what in the hell is wrong with this lady for allowing this to happen but but really that's kind of where we're all at right now with this border what the hell is going on we've got thousands and millions now of men that have come into this country I'll tell you Michael Jan uh this afternoon I was asking him what's going to happen here Mike I mean what's going to happen you've got all these men that have come into our country what do you think is going to happen I mean Think of human history. Of course, it's not a good scenario. It's really, really bad. And we've got guns here. And, and you know, these guys can get their hands on guns. I went into a gun uh, sh- shop in Colorado last weekend. And, uh, man, it's an armory. If you were bad guys, you send 100 guys in there, they're going to get some guns. And then what are we? What's going to happen? And it's it's just a nightmare scenario. But I just think he Uncle Jan this afternoon after after the show tweeted out he goes here's what's going to happen. Uh, the military is going to because they can't get enough men in the military now. They're going to they're going to start bringing in all these uh, illegals and they're going to yeah. offer them uh, the ability to become a U.S. citizen just uh, fight for us. And then they're going to turn them on the U.S. people and they're going to start shooting up, you know, U.S. people. That scenario, I don't think, I don't think it's too far off, I, you know, I mean, you know, time will tell, but why should yeah. we believe, why should we sit back and believe anything different? Really? I, you know, I don't know. It's not this, this isn't right. The one thing we're all knowing is this isn't right. And and you wake up thinking, my God, is this happening to my country?
0: You know? Yeah, yeah you're not kidding. Well, first of all, I just say I, I've followed Michael Jan for years. The guy is fearless. Uh he's he, and he's a he's a good follow on X. So if you if you haven't followed him, Michael Jan Y-O-N. He is uh he's he's really good. Uh Joe, you said something that struck me. You 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 mentioned uh the uh 1930s and the uh, the beginning What started with Kristallnacht and then, of course, turned into the Holocaust that we all know all these years later. And you said if you would have asked most American people back in 1939, they would say there's no way that could happen. Well, in large part, I agree with that. Uh, But also, I think it should be added that a lot of the reason people wouldn't believe it is because those stories were buried. And they were buried by the likes of The New York Times. And uh, they were buried by the likes of the Washington Post. Those stories were intentionally buried about Hitler's final solution. And we know that because the New York Times, 70 years later, issued an apology for it. So the same New York Times that is telling us there's nothing to see here on the border is the same New York Times that said there is no Holocaust and there's nothing to report here on the Holocaust. Um. I just I you know look I don't know if these guys are going to be an armed insurrectionist uh, well not insurrectionists they'd be foreign foreign agents taking up arms necessarily against American citizens but I do know that they're going to be doing a lot of espionage work they're going to be doing a lot of sabotage work and who knows michael may be right uh they may take up arms and fire directly onto the citizenry um at that point joe how does the how does the how does this government respond? How do we respond to that?
2: Uh, it's it's a huge question. I mean, I you know I I wrote a piece the uh, a couple of weeks ago saying, hey, why aren't these uh, states like red states like Florida, building up their militias? Why are they not getting preparing uh, for the worst? Because uh, that seems to me like a pretty smart idea. Right now, we don't have uh, anybody protecting us. The border's wide open. It's. Uh, it's you know it's horrible and quite frankly the one thing we haven't even brought up is all the people that have died from this uh horrible drugs that are crossing the border and oh, yeah. um I got a buddy good buddy his son he found his son dead and he had OD'd on on some of that fentanyl and uh and they ripped him up it ripped him up for a year good strong man and just to uh, find his son like that it's horrible and he he felt real bad about it I said you know his son was murdered I know a guy here in Florida who said to me, Joe, this fentanyl thing, this is murder. They're putting toxic stuff in that, in that, and people are taking it and they're dying. It's an intentional uh, murder, mass murder. Again, I mean, I believe from China. I mean, China's the silent killer here. I think that's the thing that Michael Yan was really trying to point out. Hey, he points out that down in Honduras, El Salvador, Panama, China's making a huge push to... Uh, take over, the, really, those countries, these tiny countries, giving, right, giving them advantages. And then, and then when they can't uh, keep up with the agreements they put in place, then they just take over the country. And we've seen that in Africa with China. And now we're seeing it down there. Whatever happened to the Monroe Doctrine, where the US said, yeah. hey, we're going to protect this entire hemisphere, and we're not doing it. We're not doing it at all. I mean, it's just absolutely frightening what's going on.
1: Yeah, I look at it as chemical warfare, Joe. I mean, I don't know how else to look at it. We have an invading army and our own government facilitating it, an invading army, uh, cartels, which I think should just be called terrorists, probably, if we want to really be honest about it and take ourselves out of that Hollywood sort of, oh, you know, cartel this and cartel that. No, these are terrorists that are facilitating chemical warfare, and I would I don't know the story. I'm very sorry to hear that story about your friend, but um, if it's anything like the people that I know who have had similar experiences, um, that young man was not a drug addict. He probably took something he thought was an Ambien or you know something uh, very pedestrian. Um, you know, and and we just keep seeing this. We keep seeing people die over it. And you know, to your point also about um, other countries being involved, China in particular, um, you're right, they're meddling around in in Latin America. And um, Michael Schellenberger just reposted an article by uh, a Mexico-based journalist by the name of, um, I don't know if I'll pronounce it right, but Ion Grillo. And he's got an amazing write-up about what's going on in Ecuador right now. um, The president uh, there declared an internal armed conflict after hooded and armed men broke into TC television's live broadcast. And this is among other violent incidents across the country on Tuesday. Ecuador was hit by explosions, police kidnappings, prison disturbances um, since Monday. And there's been a national state of emergency. And the assailants in this newsroom um, ranged from 16 to 26 years old. They seemed like, you know, um, they were very violent. They broke someone's arm. They attacked a bunch of people. uh, They had explosives. You know, basically um, a low-level tactical unit. Um, and, and, and this journalist is saying that those thugs were likely cannon fodder sent by an organized crime network used to cause panic. Um, and if these are the kind of things happening in Latin America and Ecuador, we're going to be seeing people fleeing violence coming here and people like you're saying that want to do violence from organizations like this, looking at our country as a land of opportunity, not the kind of land of opportunity that you and I know
2: absolutely I think you're absolutely right uh Brian the um and and Michael Jan actually tweeted that earlier this week I saw he's saying hey look now for a bunch of people from Ecuador to be crossing that border and they're going to come up here it's just going to push people and who who do we know who they are they could be all the bad guys they could be these cartel members whatever and I agree but you're saying they're terrorists they're they're monsters and we've got people in our in our political arena that we, you know, in Arizona, there's people that believe that all these guys that, that are running that state are all connected to the cartels. I've, I first remember seeing that back, I don't know, years ago, four or five years ago. And it was this one guy came out and said, hey, all the Dems are connected to the cartels. That's that's one of their, that's that's where they're getting their money. And if you look at the Dems, they're not making any money from any from average Americans. They're getting money from cartels, from these billionaires and others that are seem to be helping on just destroying this country it's it's an absolute mess and um at some point we have got to address this and and I, a lot of people are hoping on 2024 and there's some real concerns there because uh we still have these uh you know, broken this broken system and process and and machines that we're using to count our votes which is just insanity in and of itself so we've got a lot of things we've got to fix here in the next year 2024 is huge and here we are on Monday we've got the first uh, caucus in Iowa So time's flying by. We've got a lot to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, we do, Joe. And that's why we really appreciate everything you do here. We appreciate you joining us on this topic. You know, always enjoy our conversations about elections. uh, And I think we're going to be having some more of those this year because, you know, we really got to keep an eye on that. And if you haven't picked up Joe's books on uh, the elections, Joe, remind us the name. You can get them at Amazon. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, sure. There's uh, volumes one, two, and three of the steel available at Amazon. Just look up Joe Hoft, and, and I encourage you to get a copy. It's about setting the stage, what happened, and then finally the cover up. and And it was well fought through. This wasn't something that was uh, just uh, ha- happenstance. It was uh, it was created, probably by the same characters that are involved in this invasion. So um, we got a lot of work to do. We got to clean up this country
1: for sure. All right, yeah. Joe. Thank you so much, Joe Hoff from today's news talk. This is State of the Nation on TNT.
4: When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines, ready to serve. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing, nurturing, rescuing, Honoring, protecting, caring, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes, across all missions, has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you. Together, we change the world. The Nonprofit Alliance. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like I don't remember what I did last week, but like I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician, and he was like, you are 100% healthy. There's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible. I'm dying. I wasn't working. So I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief, and it goes Undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. The conversation continues with Brian
0: McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: All right, our next guest is a Cuban American from Miami, Florida, an ordained minister and a former CIA intelligence officer. Now, he's authored a new book that will be available on the 19th of February and he brings his 18-year experience as a cia veteran to this memoir Uh, he's got time served in iraq afghanistan all over the middle east and other war zone locations and the office of inspector general for the intelligence community earning eight exceptional performance awards and uh you know uh, This is pretty, this is, this is really uh, interesting. Um, His name is Pedro Israel Orta. Uh, Pedro, it's great to have you on the show. Let me just get the uncomfortable part out of the way first. I've been told by some people that once you're in the CIA, you're never really out. Um, Do you have any comments on that line of thinking? You know, I hear this often and I'm sure you've been uh, asked this before, but I'd love to hear your opinion on this because I know a lot of people might be saying that.
3: Ryan and Steve, thank you so much for having me on board today. Uh, Your persona, as far as having been an intelligence officer, will carry with you for the rest of your life. Uh, There are a couple of different uh, facets to it. First of all, you're a target, Uh, foreign adversaries, terrorists. So you always have to be on the lookout to protect yourself, protect your family. Uh, the, the mentality, the camaraderie, there's a lot of good people in the intelligence community among the bad apples. And unfortunately, the bad apples give them all a bad rap. Uh, and, and it's a tight-knit group, a tight-knit family. Uh, you bond together because you serve together in hard places. So it goes with you for the rest of your life. As far as being bound to the organization or beholden to it, uh, I mean, you've got the good people, you got the bad people. Uh, I mean, some people have got so many skeletons in their closet that they kind of disappear. They don't want to be around or heard about or or be even seen. While others maybe had a more uh, headquarters-based career, more analytical, like Mike Morrell, the one example. So, I mean, he's clearly a more public persona, clearly seen everywhere. Uh, and, And there's much more I can say. But at the end of the day, it stays with you for the rest of your life thank you for that i appreciate that
1: perspective now your book is called the broken whistle and it focuses a lot on the whistleblower process and in in doing a little bit of research about your book i'm looking forward to reading it i'm going to pre-order a copy um i'm very interested talk to us a little bit about your experience what you found and like what you hope to accomplish by sharing this information with the public
3: As an intelligence community employee, if we witness any violations of law, waste, fraud, abuse, significant, specific endangerment of public safety, we're supposed to use internal reporting procedures to report these matters to our superiors, the inspector general, the DNI, and even congressional oversight committees. Uh, I ran into some issues in a war zone base where clearly there were violations of standard operating procedures, endangerment to our safety, uh, and harassment of personnel. I used the process required, and instead of the process working, I ended up being the recipient of a myriad of reprisals that ultimately snowballed and led me to being ousted from the CIA and fired. And in this process, I also used the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act, which is a mechanism to report to Congress. Well, for me, I received no help, no assistance from Congress. Uh, for that matter, the Inspector General refused to basically process my disclosures. It was if I basically had filed a grievance that went straight to the garbage can. The uh, Now, fast forward a year, two, three years later, and you had the infamous Ukraine whistleblower, the phone call, Uh, Vindman, Alexander, and Eugene Vindman, and you also had the other unnamed whistleblower. As soon as they made a disclosure with these procedures, it's like everybody came out to help them. Uh, Congress stood by them. Congress pushed forward with their disclosures, the I.G., literally change processes and procedures to weaponize this process to go after Trump. Whereas whistleblowers like myself were treated like yesterday's trash. So based on my story, I put together a very detailed and comprehensive memoir so that the reader can read just how broken these whistleblower processes are and what it means for all of us. At the end of the day, it's basically tyranny, rogue government abuse of government power here they weaponize it to go after a sitting president but yet if it's about internal matters that they don't want the public to see they will crush anyone who dares to speak out against them and it's weaponizing government power and if they're willing to do this to their own like myself what else are they willing to do to those outside of the government so there there, there is really a validity to having written this memoir to get it out to the public To get public awareness of a need to do reforms within government to restore a constitutional republic and get back to law and order
0: that's going to be a big task hello pedro steve hook here that's going to be a big big ask and a big task i would think because uh there's a lot of people that don't want to get back to normal um you know in a way pedro i'm reminded of the way we handled um a a way the government rather handled Covid and how, because of that disastrous rollout of all these lockdowns and uh, 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 mandates on the on the military and and whatnot, that now all of a sudden nobody trusts the healthcare industry, nobody trusts the CDC, nobody trusts uh, the National Institutes of Health, uh, and that's one of the back the backlash effects of of this government screwing it up. Well, if you would have asked me 10 years ago what my thoughts on the FBI and the CIA were, I would have said they're two of the best intelligence agencies on the planet, uh, and they are untouchable and they're uncorruptible because that's what I've always been led to believe. So in a way, you're kind of suffering that too in that now people look at you and go, oh, he's in the CIA, huh? Hmm, I wonder if he's really (laughs) on the up and up. And, I mean, that must crush you to know that the cynicism has grown so much in this country in no small part, because the government screwed it all up, uh, that we don't trust our doctors and we don't trust our intelligence agencies anymore that that, that, you
3: feel that don't you? Well, what I see here's the cover of this book. What I have found to be the most significant problem is not what we can call the wickedness of the wicked but it's what we can call the weakness of the so-called virtuous. The malice of those who know to do right and fail to do right. A lot of these issues can be resolved if the people in positions of power are willing to do something. And I'm talking about, for example, the Pence's, the Pompeo's who failed to act and those in Congress who continue to fail to act. We have gotten a lot of what we can call political theater showmanship and grandstanding. You can go as far back as Benghazi, as Fast and Furious, to all these scandals of the early 2010s, to 2012, 2014, where congressional Republicans just had basically just a lot of theater at Congress and never held the Obama administration and some of their serious problems within government to be held accountable, the IRS scandal. Uh, We are basically seeing the same problems, but exponentially greater because the wicked know they can get away with it because Republicans with positions of power fail to do something. And as long as Republicans in positions of power fail to do something, it's going to continue to get worse.
1: I'm afraid so, you know, and you mentioned Benghazi, Fast and Furious irs scandal i mean we could go down the list it's a long list but i think that sets the stage for the question why have none of these things been properly dealt with there's no rectification there's there's nothing there all we see and it concerns me as an american because i remember during a lot of these events you know during the obama administration seeing like I don't know, Jason Chaffetz and uh, and that other guy that were on the committees just dressing people down, saying all the, you know, things that, you know, really help. Um, it gets it on the congressional record, which is great. But then it's like nothing really happens. And we're seeing this. We saw the same thing with COVID. We saw the same thing with J6. We're seeing the same thing with Hunter Biden. And it's just starting to feel to many of us like, a giant dog and pony show, like you said, of, you know, stagecraft and, and, and theater, which, which is concerning because the, the insane events that we have to accept are stacking up faster and faster, and they're never rectified,
3: it seems. It, it goes back to power and money. You've got a lot of people in politics who are basically interested in what they can get out of it for themselves. What kind of position can I get out of it to benefit my pocket? And as long as conservatives, Republicans, are put in positions of power with that kind of mentality, we're never going to resolve any problems. We need people in Congress who are going to do something and not just merely talk. And you can count them. Matt Gates is one of them. The, I mean, basically Rand Paul, the Massey to a degree. But you can basically just count on a few. The rest of them basically just kind of bid their time, uh, collect their paycheck. You know, they get their benefits by going into the lobbying circle after they're done, going into the speaking circuit, and they, you know, they made their money. And it goes back to because, unfortunately, as I found out as a whistleblower, if you dare to challenge the system and speak up, You will find yourself literally alone with no one to back you up. So the cost of speaking up increases. And how do you resolve this is when people speak up, they need to be backed up. Rather than be left out alone to hang, they need help to ensure that their voice is heard. And what they have done is able to generate more action to resolve some of these problems. Uh, and, And it all starts with... Clean elections, electing the right kind of people. And if people are elected and they're not holding up to their commitments like McCarthy, kick them out.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I just, I, you know, it's, I, I, it's uh, what you're saying, essentially, from what I gather here, uh, Pedro, is that a lot of people are just keeping their heads down because they don't want to risk getting their heads chopped off, figuratively speaking. Uh, and I'm immediately reminded of former DNI Radcliffe. Uh, I'll say this about uh, about Radcliffe. Uh, he had a pair of brass ones because he stood up and he called all of these folks out. And he said, here's the problem. And what happened to him? He was pilloried in the press. The media made him look like he was a fool. Uh, they, they, they they portrayed him as a joke. The Democrats went along with that and now, fast forward, everything that Radcliffe warned about was borne out to be true. He was right on all of it. And yet, because he was one of the only ones, and as a director of national intelligence, he was in a position to know, he stood up and said this, but because he was the only one that did it, he got no backup. And so that exactly. kind of goes to your point, doesn't it? Yeah, you, we got to stop with the apathy and start acting with some action here.
3: Exactly. At the end of the day that's what it is it's rather than talk do sometimes he who talks the loudest is actually the weakest one of all unwilling to do anything and in some cases some of the quieter ones working behind the scenes are the ones actually that have those brass balls willing to do what it takes to make a change
1: yeah 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 uh, i just want to get your website out there that's pedro israel orta o-r-t-a dot com uh, you can find everything you need to know about the Broken Whistle there. You can get your pre-order going there. Again, this is coming out on the 19th of February. What, what do you think is one of the biggest takeaways for someone who's looking forward to reading your book? Is it um, the, 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 just the perversion of the um, ICWPA, the uh, International Community Whistleblower Protection Act? Or you know what, what do you think like is one of the most starkest takeaways someone will have?
3: The, the biggest takeaway is just how broken the whistleblower process is within the intelligence community. And within the context of the entire narrative of the book, I, I provide a lot of, basically, atmospheres of what it was like to work at the CIA at headquarters and out in the field. What was going on in Iraq, 2004, 2006, Afghanistan, 2010, 2011, back in 2014. Some atmospheres, what it was like to work in the office of inspector general. So it's got a lot of tidbits of data of information that people can glean on of what really it's like to work within the intelligence community, on top of the broken whistleblower processes.
1: <clears throat> wow, I mean, what this is amazing, and and you know uh, we're just about out of time. We got about a minute left, but. When you look back to like the Snowden experience, do, does it feel to you like there was an opportunity there for our government and our intelligence com- agencies to come clean and sort of clean house and get back to constitutional principles? Was, was that the point where a big misstep happened that could have changed the course?
3: Well, what they did was immediately basically go after Snowden and basically said he should have used these processes Which, in one way, they were right, but unfortunately what they failed to realize was that Snowden did not use the processes because predecessors before him who used the processes basically had their doors banged down by the FBI. One of them was prosecuted, Thomas Drake, so he knew better. And here I am post-Snowden using these processes that they demand that we use, and again the processes don't work. But then all of a sudden, they highlight the process and say the process is good, when it's weaponized to go after Trump.
1: Amazing. I mean, that's very that's very conflicting. That must feel terrible as someone that works in in that realm to be like, okay, there's a process here. I'm supposed to use it, but is it just a honey trap? Is it just a honey trap to get me to you know use my voice? Uh, absolutely amazing, sir. You got about 20 seconds left if you'd like to respond.
3: It's a lack of congressional oversight, and that's why we have a deep state run amok. Congress has failed to do its duty to hold our government executive branch accountable. Instead of doing oversight, they're basically just being more concerned about their pockets, what they can make out of being a congressman. Well we
1: said, sir. Well said. Thank you. I hate to interrupt, but we're up against the clock here. Pedro PedroIsraelOrta.com is the website. The Broken Whistle is the book.